0: Welcome back to the Meddling Kids podcast, your groovy review of Scooby-Doo. I'm Julie Ken, and today we're talking about Don't Go Near the Fortress of Fear. And hey, Meddling Kids, after this, we only have two more episodes in Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? So hit me up on social media with your ideas on how to celebrate. Next, we'll be going through the new Scooby-Doo movies, and I can't wait. Okay, on to this episode. We see a large castle, presumably the fortress, on a peninsula. Two tween boys are walking up a steep pathway next to a brick wall. Diego, one of the boys, says, Hurry up, Pedro. It's almost time for the ghost of General Juan Carlos to appear. There must be a lot of ghosts in this village if they need to be that specific. But Pedro is a sport, and he wants to head home. Oh, by the way, they both have pretty offensive stereotypical accents, which I am not going to bother replicating. Diego encourages Pedro not to be scared, and he holds his hand and promises to protect him. It's a pretty heartwarming start to the episode. I sure hope these boys don't get hurt by any weird ghost creatures. Evil laughing stops them in their tracks. They see a large Anglo man in medieval, question mark, military uniform and helmet, and they hug each other and run away. We then see the weird dude light a cannon quite gleefully, and presumably he kills the boys, but we don't know because all we see is a big blast. The scene changes, and now we see the mystery machine being lowered to the ground by Crane after returning home to the Americas from the kids' adventures in Italy in a menace in Venice. Scooby-Doo and his human entourage are watching the mystery machine, while Daphne cavells about their trip to Puerto Rico. Velma's like, yep, here it is, Daphne. All of a sudden, they hear an explosion in the distance. Could it be an ancient cannon? Fred posits that it is either thunder or a sonic boom. I'm a little shocked that Fred hasn't studied the different types of explosives well enough to recognize their sounds on first hearing. I guess he's more experienced with breaking and entering, and less with blasting technology. Daphne distracts the group by pointing out a police search of cargo on the dock. Velma and Fred want to interfere with the investigation, so they drag Daphne along to take a look while Scooby and Shaggy guard the mystery machine. Shaggy is thrilled with this, as it allows him to sample some fresh pineapple. He chomps into it like an apple without peeling it. By the way, this is how listeners Paul Shomo and Chris Osborne insist they eat kiwis? No comment, but if you want to tell them it's weird, please join our Meddling Kids podcast and Scooby-Doo discussion group. Scooby wants some pineapple too, but Shaggy got the last one and isn't in a sharing mood. The more I watch Shaggy eat this pineapple, the more I'm convinced that the artists have never eaten fresh pineapple because after Shaggy eats the outer spiky part, he then kind of chomps right through the middle core. While Shaggy explains to Scooby why he shouldn't eat any, you know, it's too sour and it's bad for his skin, Scooby accidentally gets caught in a net and then uses a rope to swing back over to Shaggy and swipe what remains of the fruit. This scene takes a couple of minutes, which tells me this ep needed some filler. I'm just hoping there's a chase scene later on with the boys in silly costumes. That's always my fave. One of the police officers is politely telling Fred about a theft that occurred. Fred must have handed over some impressive fake credentials, because the police officer says it was the crime of the century, senor. Apparently, the local museum was robbed of many important artifacts. The police officer pats a container and says, These treasures must not be allowed to leave Puerto Rico. I'm not sure how the cargo he's patting fits into all this. Was this the stolen treasure or what? Anyway, not really explained. But who can think about that conundrum when we see a lurking dude dressed all in white sneakily listening in? He's thin, menacing, and immaculate. Seriously, who walks around on a dock and keeps their suit and hat a perfect FFFFFF? Little graphics joke from my geek crew out there. What what? Velma offers to help the police find the missing artifacts, and the police officer politely refuses her kind offer, insisting that his professional and trained team can take on the search without requiring the help of some foreign teenagers. Velma's all condescending and sarcastic. Okay, good luck. Scooby's running away from Shaggy with the pineapple and hides behind the same crates as the dude dressed all in white. Scooby freaks out, grabs Shaggy, and tries to get him to look at the odd human. What an insult. Can you, can you imagine if some visiting Great Dane pulled its human over just to see how weird you are? I hate when that happens. Fortunately, the dude had walked away so Shaggy doesn't have to have an awkward interaction explaining his pal's strange behavior. The gang are driving off in the mystery machine when they hear another loud boom. Fred thinks it came from the castle in the distance, and he says such a typical Fred statement. It sounded like some kind of explosion. We better check it out. Shaggy isn't a fan of this plan, of course, and suggests a vote, but unfortunately he and Scooby are outvoted even though they try to use all their arms, legs, and paws to vote. At the castle, Scooby and Shaggy stay outside while the others break into El Moro Fortress, which Velma helpfully tells us is over 400 years old. Shaggy and Scooby check out the view from a turret, and then Scooby accidentally burns his paw, poor woofer, on the hot cannon. Shaggy then burns his finger, verifying if the cannon really is hot. It is. He starts to put together the clues when he's startled out of his train of thought by the sight of the weird general who shouts, Out of my fortress! He waves his arms around, raises the roof, and laughs when Scooby and Shaggy run away. They reconvene with the other kids, who didn't find any cool clues. Shaggy prevents Scooby from telling them about the weird shouting dude, because he's finally gotten wise to the fact that if Fred hears about a scary and or threatening being, he will want to hunt it down. Since he is denied this pleasure, Fred suggests they retire for the night to rest up for their big fishing trip the next day. The next day is sunny and lovely, and we meet Captain Eddie and his fishing boat. Captain Eddie is a large Anglo man who knows all about the fortress and its ghost. He explains that the legend is that General Juan Carlos is still guarding the fortress and likes to shoot off his cannon for kicks. Shaggy tries to reel in a swordfish, but he and Scooby get pulled into the ocean and then are chased by a shark. The shark gets caught on a buoy and then an octopus grabs Scooby. The swordfish breaks free, and his sword snout gets stuck in a wooden dock where he presumably perishes, and the giant pink octopus lands on a big rock and stares down Scooby, who it's holding upside down. The octopus then throws Scooby and Shaggy back into the boat, and the Puerto Rican ocean creatures are probably still telling tales of this strange adventure to this day. After terrorizing the local wildlife, Scooby and Shaggy land back on deck with their friends and Captain Eddie. Unfortunately, Shaggy's fishing pole is still attached to something in the ocean. Turns out it's a discarded pink parachute. Scooby and Shaggy wrestle with it a bit, and Fred indicates it's too small for a man to use. Braggart. I'm guessing this clue will come in handy later. Scooby and Shaggy shiver under blinkies while they head back to the shore. Fred indicates they will head back to a fortress after dinner, which tricks Scooby and Shaggy into admitting they saw a ghost there the night before. Again, in this case, ghost meaning any creature out of the ordinary. Really, the only thing they saw this dude do was stand there while laughing. At the fortress, Scooby and Shaggy wait outside while the braver three go in to look for more clues. Unfortunately, Scooby and then Shaggy lean on a hidden rotating wall and end up inside a walkway. And end up inside, anyway. They skulk around and end up right in front of Señor lot. They run away, and the chase is on. Lots of running on turrets, no costumes. And then Shaggy and Scooby accidentally fall off a ledge and are hanging on to their dear lives with the strength of Shaggy's weak, malnourished forearms. The scary dude starts prying away the stone they're clinging to. Really, he should have just bashed Shaggy's hands, but whatevs. And we break for commercial with our beloved heroes in peril. Hey everyone, this is Toaf, host of Gravity Beard. Podcast featuring interviews and discussions on a wide range of topics. In each episode, I'll either interview a special guest or we'll convene our typical Algonquin roundtable of brilliant minds. Occasionally, we'll even be joined by the host of one of your other favorite podcasts. Then every other week, my buddy Adam stops by for an installment of This Week Today. Whatever we do each week, we promise you'll be entertained. You can find Gravity Beard on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else quality podcasts are sold. And you can always find us in other indie pods in the underdog podcast community on Facebook. We're also a member of the Podfix Network. Come check us out. Gravity Beard. It's what your ears will want to be listening to. Okay, we're back. Fred, Velma, and Daphne arrive in time to see Sir Lapsalot doing something weird. They don't know he's trying to murder their friends. And by the way, at time marker 1229, Daphne's head turns backwards. They rush over to get him, and he runs away. Scooby and Shaggy start hollering, and Fred pulls them up. Then Fred does a real Fred move and drives off with the girls in the mystery machine so Velma can do some sleuthing in the Hall of Records. He deliberately leaves Scooby and Shaggy so they can keep an eye on things and continue to process their emotions by confronting their nightmares directly. At the records hall... Velma and the others have woken up an unfortunate municipal librarian in the middle of the night to help them discover why a grown man is laughing in public. Which, aside from attempted murder, appears to be his only crime so far. Oh, and I suppose the cannon shooting isn't good either. Especially if Pedro and Diego were killed. You know, those young lads from the beginning. Okay, I take it back. He's a bad guy. I'll allow it. Daphne finds an old map that shows a tunnel leading directly from the museum to the fortress. Way to go, Daphne! Unfortunately, the librarian is really cranky about losing sleep for these nosy gringos, and he tells them to scoot. The kids are surprised by his lack of -of middle-of-the-night hospitality, but I totally get it. My daughter likes to wake me up in the middle of the night to ask questions like, do slugs taste like? And I wouldn't put it past her to ask me about municipal Puerto Rican maps. Next, the kids go to the museum, and on their way, we see the man in white from earlier in the ep. I totally forgot about this dude. He's still looking pristine and kind of creepy in a stalkery way. Seriously, how does he keep his clothes so perfect? He follows them to the museum and continues his espionage. The kids are trying to find the best entry point into the museum when Daphne trips over a cracked piece of pavement, slides into an out-of-order phone booth, and reveals a hidden entrance in the ground. Fred leads the girls down the hole and through a long tunnel underground. The dude in White follows behind them. The kids see a light at the end of the tunnel, and this is not a metaphor this time, but a treasure trove and a lit torch on the wall. There's crates of gold, jewels, and priceless antiquities. Velma finally shows some sense and suggests they all head back to get the police, when all of a sudden part of the ceiling caves in. Fred bravely pulls the girls to safety, and up above we see Scooby and Shaggy startled by the noise and trying to find the source. Their attempts to go up and down staircases are hampered by Sir Laffsallot, who has one of those tricky levers that turns staircases into slides. We haven't seen such a cool staircase in season one. Never ape an ape man. They slide down a staircase through a trapdoor and land in a crate full of cannonballs next to Fred, Velma, and Daphne. Another funny animation mistake, at minute 1644, Scooby and Shaggy jump into their friend's arms, but they are momentarily outside near a grassy lawn and deciduous trees, and it looks like they're in the Midwest. The next moment, they're all back in the underground tunnel, so this must have been a drug-induced hallucination. A Shaggy hallucination, not a Julie Kidd hallucination. Velma is looking for an exit, Fred finds more pink parachutes, and Scooby starts juggling cannonballs. One of them is actually hollow, they discover as it breaks open. Velma finds a way to unlock a secret passage out of the brick wall, but instead of escaping to get police assistance, Fred takes matters into his own hands and uses the junk they found to make a trap. During their stand-up scrum, we see the shadow of the dude in white lurking nearby. Scooby and Shaggy see his silhouette and run away. He reveals himself to the maining three as Inspector Hernandez of the Puerto Rican Police, and he congratulates them on finding part of the missing treasure. His monologue is interrupted by Sir Lafsalot, swinging in on a rope and heading for the treasure. They chase him, but he runs into Scooby and Shaggy. He climbs up a wall and tricks Inspector H and the big kids into getting trapped in the dungeon. Meanwhile, Scooby sets off the trap that was meant for Sir Lafselot, and he's covered by a parachute. But he runs into Sir Lancelot. Sir Lancelot gets trapped in the parachute with Scooby and all wrapped up in ropes. Shaggy lets the others out of the dungeon, and Inspector Hernandez takes off the mask and reveals that the General of Juan Carlos, Sir Lancelot, was actually Captain Eddie, who apparently wasn't satisfied being an 05 and had to imitate an 06. Military joke for my military peeps out there, what what? See, this podcast is for all types. In the denouement, we find out that the police had found the rest of the loot on Captain Eddie's boat. He snarls, meddling young fools, and I really like this. That'll be my next podcast. Despite his rough demeanor, he looks pretty fun in those old-fashioned leggings. Turns out that Captain Eddie was using the cannon to shoot the treasure to his own ship in those hollow cannonballs. Later, we see the kids hanging out on a beautiful beach. Shaggy is in a childlike sailor suit, you know, like the kind we put toddlers in, and he's building a huge sandcastle. It looks a lot like the fortress and is pretty impressive, but it gets destroyed by Scooby who is hiding out in the middle. But I can't blame him. Part of the fun of construction is destruction. Am I right, all you Freds out there? That's the end of the episode today, so I want to give my quick thanks to Dave Seste for the use of our theme song, Night Surfing, to my awesome family, including my husband, who wants to be called Olaf, even though that's not his real name, and of course, to all you awesome listeners for sharing the show, for listening, and for sharing your theories in the Meddling Kids podcast and Scooby-Doo discussion group, which is moderated by the fabulous, wonderful Tiff. Thanks, Tiff. And just remember... The next time you're trying to clean stains out of your perfectly white suit, you would have gotten away with it if it weren't for us meddling kids.